Darkcast Network. Welcome to the Dark Side of Podcasts. My name is Brenda, and welcome to Horrifying History, where you will hear about the unexplained, paranormal, and supernatural happenings that have stained the pages of history. The line, once upon a time in a land far, far away, brings to mind images of beautiful princesses, handsome and brave princes, wicked witches, and magical creatures. Fairy tales have been passed down for thousands of years and are still told today. Fairy tales create an escape from real life and takes us to the land of make-believe. But Disney decided to take many of these tales and change them for their profit. In Disney's eyes, all princesses and princes will fall in love with each other and live happily ever after. But that is not the real story. Welcome to episode 128, The Dark Side of Disney, The Tales Behind the Fairy Tales, Part 4. The Little Mermaid is the 1989 animated musical that was released by Walt Disney Pictures. It was their 28th featured film that was loosely, and I mean loosely, based on the 1837 fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. It received critical acclaim, and it earned high praise for its characters, music, and animation. It was this film that helped push Disney to the heights it is today, and it also won them two Academy Awards. But, as you likely guessed, my dear listeners, Disney definitely disnified up this tale because the true story is truly dark. But let's start with telling you guys all the modified Disney version. Once upon a time in a sea far, far away lived a beautiful 16-year-old mermaid princess named Ariel. She was quite unhappy living her life as a rich mermaid princess in the underwater kingdom of Atlantica, and she was obsessed with human life on land. She spent her days with her best friend Fish, who had the unoriginal name of Flounder, and the two of them spent their time collecting human artifacts that made its way into the sea. So in other words, my spooky friends, she's a hoarder who's obsessed with trash. Now her father, King Titan, who rules Atlantica, constantly reminded Ariel that any interaction between humans and merpeople is completely forbidden. But our princess Ariel acts like a typical 16-year-old, and she totally ignores what her father says. So one night, Ariel decides to sneak out and go to the surface. She's accompanied by Flounder and Sebastian, who's the king's advisor and clearly is not doing his job at this time. So the group go to the surface, and when there, they start to watch a birthday celebration for a human named Prince Eric. Of course, as usual, Ariel falls instantly in love with this random stranger who has strange appendages. He's just that hot, even though he looks exactly like every other prince that Disney produces. Personally, I just think they take the same guy and change his hair color, but I digress. 
So Ariel is in love with a guy she never met, and suddenly, this violent storm hits without warning. It not only destroys the ship that Prince Eric was on, but it throws him into the water. Ariel rushes to save the man that she's now stalking, and drags him back to shore. This is where Ariel breaks into song for no apparent reason and rushes back to the sea. Prince Eric awakens, and he's enraptured by the memory of hearing Ariel's voice. He has to have her, and he vows that he'll do anything to find that woman behind the voice. Meanwhile, Ariel the Stalker decides that she'll do anything, and I mean anything, to be with her man. In my opinion, Prince Eric should really consider upping his security. So the next day, King Triton thinks something's up with Ariel, she's acting a little weird, so he decides to interrogate Sebastian. Now the crab immediately cracks under pressure, all pun intended here, and he confesses all. Ariel's obsession with humans, the whole grotto thing where her human trash is hidden, her obsession of Prince Eric, and now the king is pissed. So he swims over to the grotto and destroys all of Ariel's scavenged stuff. After the king leaves, Ariel's distraught. Her daddy trashed her trash, and he now forbade her from stalking Prince Eric? So what does our sad little fish princess do? She talks to two blue eels named Flotsam and Jetsam, who are the minions of the dark and evil Ursula, the sea witch. They convince her that Ursula can fix everything. Ursula will make sure that Ariel gets her man and all her trash back. Seems like a great idea, doesn't it? So Ariel goes to see Ursula, and the two make a deal. Ursula will transform Ariel into a human for three days, and in return, Ursula will take away Ariel's voice. Not thinking that she might actually have to talk to the source of her stalking, Ariel agrees. After all, human men don't need their women to speak, right? So Ursula puts Ariel's voice in a shell for safekeeping, and now places this now shell necklace around her neck. Then she tells Ariel the conditions of the deal. Ariel must receive a kiss of true love from Prince Eric, and if she does, she'll become a human forever. But if not, she'll turn back into a mermaid and be the property of Ursula. Now, before I go on with the story, my dear listeners, I feel I gotta give you all a piece of advice. Do not ever go into any deal without knowing the details. This is such a crappy deal. Ariel somehow has to enrapture Prince Eric in three days or she'll be a slave. Seriously, Ariel should have talked to a merperson lawyer or something. But either way, Ursula was entering into a contract with a minor, and I'm pretty sure that this deal would not hold up in Mercourt. But once again, I digress. So not being the smartest, Ariel accepts the deal and poof, just like that she has legs. Flounder and Sebastian take her to the surface and dumps her on a beach. It is on this beach that Prince Eric sees her and decides to take her home, not knowing that it was Ariel that rescued him earlier. So the two start to spend their time together, and even though Ariel doesn't talk, Eric decides to make his move and try to kiss her. But the two were stopped by Ursula's minions, and now Ursula's pissed off. She couldn't let this 16-year-old win, so she decides, like most Disney villains, to use magic for a disguise. She transforms herself into a young hottie named Vanessa. I have no idea why they went with Vanessa. But anyway, Vanessa, and goes to the beach where Ariel and Prince Eric are trying to get their groove on, and she starts singing using Ariel's voice. Then Ursula casts a magical spell on Prince Eric to make him forget about Ariel and make him fall in love with her. So moving way too fast, Prince Eric and Vanessa decide to get married the next day. Now, personally, I would have taken this as a massive red flag and ran, but not our Ariel. She's not done obsessing over her man. 
she gets some intel from a seagull friend named Scuttle and finds out who Vanessa actually is. So more determined than ever, Ariel decides to get her man back. She goes out to sea to follow the barge where the wedding was to take place. Meanwhile, Sebastian the Tattletail Crab goes to King Triton and tells him what Ariel did and the whole mess she got herself into. The two of them speed towards the barge to help save our heroine. Now, meanwhile, Ariel, Scuttle, and a bunch of random sea animals decide to bust up that wedding. During the chaos, the shell around Vanessa's neck is broken and Ariel instantly gets her voice back. Also, very conveniently, the magical enchantment over Prince Eric is broken. So Eric looks at Ariel and sees her not as the girl that has been stalking him for this entire movie, but as the girl who saved his life. He's instantly in love and he rushes to kiss her, but it wasn't meant to be. The sun is set. Ariel turns into a fish girl and Vanessa turns back into Ursula the sea witch. After some evil cackling, Ursula grabs Ariel and drags her back down to the deep. But the two run into dad. King Triton confronts Ursula and demands that his daughter is released immediately. Now, Ursula counters with the typical, this deal's unbreakable dialogue, but Ursula, who clearly knows how to negotiate a deal, makes the king an offer. Give up ruling Atlantica and take your daughter's place. The king agrees and he gives Ursula his trident. Ursula then releases Ariel and transforms her father into a sea polyp. She then starts doing more evil cackling as she declares herself the Queen of the Seven Seas. Before she can actually do anything else, our hero Prince Eric comes to the rescue and harpoons her. Ursula then tries to kill the prince, and of course our heroine intervenes and saves him again. This results in Ursula actually killing her own eel minions, and now full of narcissistic anger, Ursula uses the trident's magic to make herself grow into a massive Godzilla-like size. So Ariel, Eric, they make it to the surface, and Godzilla Ursula, or should I call her Ursula? Yeah, we're gonna go with that. Ursula grows out of the water and towers over them. She now has full control of the oceans, and she creates a storm to bring shipwrecks up to the surface. Why? No one really knows, but let's just roll with it, okay? So just as Ursula is about to kill Ariel, Prince Eric somehow manages to commandeer one of those busted up ships and uses it to impale the sea witch. This somehow results in Ursula getting electrocuted and she explodes. Don't even ask people, I have no idea how you can get electrocuted in the sea with all that water, but again, let's just go with it, okay? So now that ding dong, the witch is dead, all the polyps turn back to their original forms, including Ariel's daddy. When he transforms back into his kingly goodliness, he realizes that Ariel truly loves Eric. He then decides to turn his daughter into a human with legs and all, so she can marry the victim of her stalking. The two pledge their lives to each other as all the sea creatures, Ariel's merfriends, and her family watches. Then the two sail off into the sunset, full of love and excitement for their new human futures. Oh, isn't that romantic? Yeah. So after this short break, it's time for you to hear the real story of The Little Mermaid. Now, my dear listeners, the moral of the Disney version of The Little Mermaid is actually quite simple. One is able to achieve their true happiness by undergoing extreme changes for the person they love. Is that the greatest moral? Hell no! A person should love you for you, fins and all. But in the original version, the moral is different. 
Hans Christian Andersen's original fairy tales do stay very close to their oral roots, but Hans liked to add some things in like angst and romance and social commentary for their times. But in this tale, the theme is, no matter how much you sacrifice or suffering one endures, there is no real reward in making fundamental changes. Well, that moral isn't great either, but let's get started with the real story of The Little Mermaid. Once upon a time, in a sea far, far away, lived a sea king and his subjects. Life under the sea, it was pretty good. No pollution, the water was clear, and the bottom was covered with breathtaking plant life. Fish and aquatic life was as abundant as the birds in the sky, and in the middle of all this was the sea king's castle. His castle sat in the deepest part of the ocean, and it was built with coral, and it had clear amber windows that somehow magically held up to all that water pressure. Now, the sea king was a widower, and he lived with his mermom. Now, considering he was a king, he could have easily hired a merperson or two to clean up his castle and make his own meals, but apparently that's what his mermom was for. The king's mermom, she thought quite a bit of herself. After all, she was of high birth and was very wise. She was allowed to wear 12 oysters on her tail, while everybody else of high rank was only allowed to wear six. But many thought the mermom was deserving of the praise that went to her. After all, she took care of her six mer-granddaughters. But the youngest of these was the one who got her most attention. This mer-girl was beautiful. Her skin was delicate, and her eyes were as blue as the deepest part of the sea. She would join her sisters each day in the Sea King's castle and play all day long, or they'd venture out amongst the beautiful plant life near where they lived. Each one of the mere granddaughters had their own little plot of sea outside the castle's walls, where she could dig it up and plant it however she liked. One of the princesses made hers look like the form of a whale, and another's made hers look just like a merperson. But the youngest, she made hers circular like the sun, and she planted flowers that were red as a sunset. Her sisters normally just went along with what their little mere sister wanted because she was a bit odd, kind of quiet, but she was thoughtful. When her sisters would venture out and find items from shipwrecks that they thought were pretty cool, the mer girl, she wasn't interested at all. She only cared about two things, her garden and a statue of a handsome boy that fell to the bottom of the sea from a shipwreck. It was carved out of a pure white stone and the mer girl moved it into her garden where she could stare at it whenever she wanted to. After the statue came into her life, our little mermaid became obsessed with the world on land. She would ask her mer-grandma to tell her tales of life on the land, and as she heard these stories about ships and towns and humans and animals, she would imagine how the plants would smell because they're not underwater. She would think about what would birds sound like singing their songs, and how everything would look different because it wouldn't have the sea's blue tinge affecting it. After telling her these stories, the mer-girl would be told the same exact thing every time. Her mer-grandma would say, when you reached your 15th year, you will have permission to rise up out of the sea to sit on the rocks in the moonlight while great ships are sailing by, and then you will see both forests and towns. The following year, the oldest of the Mer sisters turned 15, and the heroine of our story knew that she was just going to have to watch her sisters going to the surface while she had to wait. Each sister would go up to the surface on her 15th birthday, and each one promised the rest that they would come back and tell the others what they saw. After all, Mer-Grandma only had limited information, and these girls needed the details. Sister after sister would go to the surface and come back with stories of life on land. 
they were allowed to go as much as they wanted after their birthday, but soon they all became kind of bored with it. Even so, during the evening hours, the mermaids would wrap their arms around each other and rise to the surface together. You see, mermaids have beautiful voices, more beautiful than any other human being, and when a storm was coming and a ship was about to be lost, the mermaids would sing to the sailors telling them don't be afraid as their ship would sink to the bottom. Since the sailors couldn't speak fish, they didn't understand what the song was saying and its warning, so their bodies would end up floating around the Sea King's palace. As the sisters would leave, the youngest would watch them leave, all alone. She would be so very sad that she couldn't be part of the world above like her sisters were. But then, the day finally came. On her 15th birthday, her mere grandma told her that she was finally all grown up, so it was time for her to be adorned like her older sisters were. So the Little Mermaid really didn't like this idea very much, but she sat as her grandmother put a wreath of white lilies in her hair and ordered eight large oysters to attach themselves to the Little Mermaid's tail to show everybody her high rank. She complained to her grandmother that having oysters attached to her fish butt hurt, but her mer-grandma was having none of that. She said, pride must suffer pain, which honestly shows what the mer-grandma's true motives were. But our little mermaid, she sat and took it. After all, she was going to go to the surface. So after saying the fairy tale version of, see you later, bitches, the little mermaid swam up to the surface. It was twilight, and the surface of the water glimmered red and gold. But that wasn't the only thing on the surface. There was a ship. It was large, with three masts, and the sailors were sitting on the deck playing music. So the little mermaid decided to get a little closer, and just like our first story, our little mermaid starts to go a bit stalker-like when she starts peeking through the ship's portholes. When she looked inside one of them, she saw a bunch of people, but who stood out was clearly the hottest of all, and he just happened to be a prince. Mr. Hotness had dark brooding eyes, and he was celebrating his 16th birthday. When Mr. Hotness went on deck, more than 100 fireworks went off in the air, freaking out the Little Mermaid. After all, she never seen fire, nevertheless fireworks. So she dove back into the water, and then gathering up all her stalker courage, she went back to spy on her man since he was so dreamy. So our stalker stayed mostly hidden that night and creepily spying on Mr. Hotness, but then a storm started to roll in. As the waves tossed and turned, the sailors fought for their survival. Our Little Mermaid, she eventually figured out that the ship, the crew, and Mr. Hotness was in danger. So as lightning flashed in the sky, the Little Mermaid could see that this ship was now a wreck. All the sailors were in the water, and they were fine, except Mr. Hotness. When the ship broke apart, Mr. Hotness sank below the waves. Little Mermaid, she thought, wow, this is great. Now her man could be with her. Oh, darn. Then she remembered that we humans need this little thing called oxygen. So she dove back into the sea to search amongst the wreckage, and she saw him submerged with his eyes closed. So she scooped him up and swum back to the surface. She held his head above water as they floated wherever the storm would take them. So as the sun rose, the storm was gone. So was the ship, any debris, and its crew. The only one left was the Little Mermaid and her unconscious man. As they floated, she kissed his face and prayed he would live. Time passed and soon they would drift towards a bay that looked like what she heard a town was on the shore. So she brought Mr. Hotness to that shore and put him on the beach. The Little Mermaid hid to watch what was going to happen next and soon a young girl saw a man unconscious on the sand. She ran to get help and as the humans surrounded him, the prince woke up. It was here that the Little Mermaid decided to go home.
depressed, and in the need of non-existent mermaid mental health services, she just sat in her garden and would stare creepily at the statue thinking of Mr. Hotness. She wouldn't care for her garden, but would creepily go up and put her arms around the statue like it was the prince. Finally, she went to tell her sisters what happened. After hearing our stalker's tale, the mermaid sisters decided to show her where Mr. Hotness's castle was. Now this was a mistake, since our little stalker mermaid would just swim over there to watch the prince all the time. As she watched, she would remember kissing him when he was unable to give consent, and how he remembered none of what happened. She started to become attached to the people in the castle, and she started to dream of a life on land that seemed so much better than the one she had under the sea. So one day, the little stalker mermaid decided to have a conversation with her mer-grandma. She wondered if humans could live forever and found out they don't. But humans have something that a mermaid does not have, an everlasting soul. When mermaids die, they become the foam on the surface of the water, but humans go to the heavens. Now this sounded really good to the mermaid, and she asked how she could get a soul. Her grandma said the only way you can get a soul is for a man to fall in love with her so deeply that his soul would flow into her body. It would leave a piece of itself behind for her, but then she'd have that stupid tail to deal with. After all, humans don't have tails and they don't like them, and they expect the people that they're going to marry to have these things called legs. So the little mermaid went back to her garden to mope, but then she decided to go see a creature that she knew of who was said to be a sorceress. As she approached the sorceress's creepy sea shack, the Little Mermaid started to have a couple doubts about what she was going to do, but then she thought of the prince's dreamy eyes, and she went to see the witch. When the mermaid came upon the witch, the witch said she knew exactly why the stalking mermaid was there. She said, It is very stupid of you, but you shall have your way, and it'll bring to you much sorrow, my pretty princess. You want to get rid of your fish's tail? and have two supports instead of it, like human beings on Earth, so your young prince may fall in love with you, and that you may have an immortal soul? So then she did her typical Disney villain laugh, as she told the Little Mermaid that she arrived just in time since it after sunrise tomorrow, she couldn't help her for another full year. This is when the sorceress told her that she'll make her a magical potion and give it to the mermaid, and when she gets it, she'll have to swim to shore to drink it. Afterwards, her tail will turn into legs and cause her massive pain. The Little Mermaid thought, hey, this is a great idea, but then the witch gave another warning. If she turns into a human, she stays a human, never seeing her family again. If she doesn't win her prince's heart, she'll never get a soul. If Mr. Hotness marries anybody but her, her heart will break and she'll die turning into the foam on the sea. Seeing that the Little Mermaid didn't have a problem with this either, the sorceress then gave her price, the Little Mermaid stalker's voice. Now at this point, the mermaid hesitates, after all, a mermaid, what are they without their voice? So the witch said to her, don't worry about it. You'll still be so hot. You'll totally snag your man. So the little mermaid was told to stick out her fishy tongue, which the witch promptly cut it out. So she'd never be able to sing or talk again. Saying goodbye to her old life and her voice, the little mermaid then swam to the surface and went to the shore outside the prince's palace. She drank the potion and immediately she was in agony. She passed out from the pain, and when she awoke, Mr. Hotness was staring down at her. That was likely because she was completely naked, so the little mermaid, she wrapped herself up in her hair so he couldn't look at the goodies. Mr. Hotness then started bombarding her with questions like, Who are you? Why are you on my beach? Where are your clothes? Where did you come from? Why are you covering up your boobs? But then the little mermaid, she couldn't reply because she had no tongue. 
So he helped her up and she took her first step. It was like the witch said, every step she took felt like knives were cutting her, but that's okay because now she had her target in her sights. So the prince brought her to the palace where he gave her clothes to wear. He brought her to his parents and then asked for entertainment to come out for them. Now several of the palace slaves stepped forward to sing and instead of thinking that Mr. Hotness and his family having slaves is totally wrong, all she did was sadly think to herself that she wished that the prince knew that she gave away her perfect voice just to snag him. But then the slaves started to dance and the little mermaid decided to bust a move with them, but more importantly, outshine them. It worked even though every step was agony. The Little Mermaid was overjoyed when after the dance, the prince told her that she had to stay with him for the rest of his life. They would have an amazing life together and she could sleep outside his bedroom door on a cushion like a dog. Wow, did she ever pick a charmer. But of course, our Little Mermaid thought this it was absolutely a great idea. You know, not misogynistic at all. So the prince and his stalker started spending all their time together. She would giggle like a little schoolgirl after every step she took made her feet bleed. At night, she would sit at the waterfront and put her feet into the water, which helped her with her pain, but it would remind her of what she lost. One night, her mer sisters, her mer dad, and her mer grandma all came up to the surface to visit and tell her how she massively screwed up, but they still begged her to come home. The little mermaid told him that she's standing by her man. But as the days passed, the Little Mermaid's love for Mr. Hotness just got stronger, but his, not so much. One day he told her that he loved her like a friend, but his heart belonged to another. He told her how he was once shipwrecked and he came to the shore near a holy temple. Several young women worked at that temple and it was the youngest of these who found him. He told the mermaid how it was that girl that saved his life and it was she that he was totally in love with. But since she was part of the holy temple, the two can't be together. Therefore, he was settling with the stalking mermaid being his friend. Ouch. So now in the friend zone, the little mermaid understood that her prince had no clue that she was the one who saved him. But she still planned to give up her entire life for this man. Everything changed a short time later when the prince's dad decided that his son needed to get married and that he arranged a marriage to the daughter of a neighboring king. So Mr. Hotness went up to Stalker Mermaid and said that he was ordered to go see this random princess, but she doesn't need to worry. After all, his dad told him he doesn't have to marry this chick. This is where the prince does the fairy tale version of leading a girl on by telling her if he's forced into this marriage or a marriage at all, he would just rather marry her. So after kissing her lightly on her lips, the Little Mermaid thought, I got this in the bag, as Mr. Hotness told her something like, hey, why don't you come with? It'll be totally fun. So Mr. Hotness and his stalker sailed to the land where this princess lived, and let's just say it didn't work out as the mermaid thought. The new chick was hot, as in the mermaid never even seen anyone ever to be more perfect and more beautiful in her life hot. And she was smart too. As the prince looked deeply into this princess's bright blue eyes, he told everyone that this was the woman that must have saved his life at sea. Of course he'd marry his one true love, who isn't the mermaid. Our little mermaid was destroyed. She lost everything. Her prince friend zoned her, and now her man was going to get married to somebody else, which will literally kill her. But that wasn't the worst of it, my spooky friends. The princess wanted the little mermaid as her bridesmaid. So as you guessed, of course our stalker mermaid was a bridesmaid. She watched as her man married another on a wedding barge and knew that her death was near. 
She joined it in the festivities, all while knowing that the pain in her legs will stop when her life ends. She laughed at witty comments as she watched Mr. Hotness playing with his new wife's hair. So when the two decide to retire for the evening, if you know what I'm saying, our stalker went to the front of the ship to wait for her death. But then, her sisters came up from the depths with their long, beautiful hair gone. The mermaid sisters told her that they gave their hair to the witch to prevent her from dying that night. But this came at a cost. The mermaids passed their sister a magical knife that they got from the witch. The only way that the mermaid could survive was to stab Mr. Hotness in the heart. When his blood would splash onto her legs, her tail would come back and she could return to them to their home. But she had to do this before sunrise or she'd die. So as any stalker who is trapped under a spell would do, the Little Mermaid walks into the tent where Mr. Hotness and his princess were sleeping. She drew her knife up into the air, but she couldn't do it. She ran outside and she threw the knife back into the sea as the sun came up over the horizon. She took one last glance back at Mr. Hotness before she threw herself into the sea. She transformed into sea foam, but believe it or not, my spooky friends, she still had coherent thought as foam. She saw that she was surrounded by hundreds of transparent, beautiful beings and realized she was just like them. She asked them where she was, and she was told, amongst the daughters of the air. These entities explained that a mermaid's eternal destiny is dependent on the love of a man, but as a daughter of the air, they can do good deeds. After 300 years of doing nothing but good deeds, they can gain an immortal soul. So settling in for this fate, the stalker mermaid watches as the prince started looking for her and then realizes she's gone. She then tells her new air friends that she's really good with this deal and she'll no longer cry since each tear will add a day to her sentence. Thank you all for joining me for our latest episode of Horrifying History. Now we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the real tale of The Little Mermaid? Let us know your thoughts on Facebook at Horrifying History, on Instagram at Horrifying underscore History, on Twitter at Horrifying H-I-S-T-1, or by email at HorrifyingHistory at Outlook.com. Now, if you haven't done it yet, please remember to hit the subscribe button for this podcast. For when you do, not only do you let more people know about our show, but you download our next episode on its day of release. It's a great way not to miss our next episode, The Ghostly and Bloody Leap Castle. If you'd love to take home a piece of horrifying history, you really should check out our store. You'll find some great items by going to redbubble.com and by searching for horrifying history in their search box. And if you want to get a bunch of amazing perks like ad-free episodes, free merchandise, additional episodes, and much, much more, join our fan club on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash horrifyinghistory to sign up today. Thank you all for listening, and until next time... <laughs>